Hi, folks, this is Brad Bright, and this is the God is the Issue podcast, where we seek to make God the issue in every issue. Now, it won't come as a surprise to any of y'all when, you, when I say that we no longer live in a Christian culture. I know none of us are shocked by that, are we? The reality is the priests of modern secularism have become very shrewd. They've perfected shrewdness as an art. They organize, they plan, they train, they coordinate, they infiltrate, they attack, they lie, they cheat, they steal, they play dirty, they intimidate. And they're very, very effective, aren't they? We see that every day on the evening news. But the question is, can Christians effectively fight back against the anti-God agenda without compromising God's standards. Let me ask that another way. Can we fight like Jesus? That's exactly the question we are asking. Can we fight like Jesus? And the answer, of course, is yes, we can. It's been done before. We can do it again if if we will be shrewd, if we'll work together, and if we'll be bold. You see, in, in any situation, we can either roll over, react, or reframe. That is, we can, we can surrender, we can say, stop it, or we can say, stop me if you can. You see, too many of our troops are on, do, on defense. Too many of our troops are saying, stop it. We need to go on offense, forcing the other side to stop us, just like Jesus did. Now, sometimes you do have to play defense. Let's that's, 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 that's grant that. Sometimes you have to say, stop it. But when you spend the majority of your time saying stop it rather than saying stop me if you can, that's a problem, and it makes it practically impossible to win. In order to win, you have to be on offense. Now, in all fairness, Jesus played defense and offense. However, here's the kicker. Jesus spent 90% of his time on offense and 10% of his time on defense as you read the New Testament. You see, Jesus was always forcing people to stop him. He had an agenda, and his agenda was who is God and why does it matter right here, right now, today. But the question is, what does it look like for Christians to go on offense? How do we fight like Jesus? How do we launch a counteroffensive? I want to give you four examples that have occurred in my lifetime of Christian counteroffensives that have been very, very effective. Let's go back to January 1967, Berkeley, California. The University of California at Berkeley was ground zero for the radical Marxist movement in America. It was synonymous with student riots, with demonstrations, with Molotov cocktails. Is that reminding you of anything kind of in recent history? But then something happened. In a period of one week, the back of the radical movement at Berkeley was broken and the Jesus Revolution was born. That week became known as the Berkeley Blitz. It was bold, it was audacious, it was highly organized, and it was saturated in prayer. Prior to that week, the local chapter of Campus Crusade for Christ had struggled to reach students for Jesus Christ on the Berkeley campus. Very little response. It was hard, hard soil. So seeking God's wisdom and prayer on their knees, they came up with a strategy. They reserved all the, all the free speech platforms on campus, the auditoriums, the amphitheaters. They lined up Josh McDowell and Billy Graham to come in and speak. And then 600 staff and students from around the country descended on the campus. At the time, they dubbed it Solution 
spiritual revolution. They set up meetings in all the dorms. They knocked on door after door after door, asking students if they'd like to have a conversation about Jesus. At the final event on Friday, Billy Graham addressed 8,000 students in a packed-out Greek theater on campus. During that week, my dad, Bill Bright, interviewed Bettina Apdecker on camera. Now, Bettina was the head of the Marxist movement at the University of Berkeley. At one point, he asked her this question. Who, in your opinion, would you say was the greatest person who has ever lived? Bettina paused, and then she said, I guess I would have to say Jesus of Nazareth. Not Karl Marx, but Jesus of Nazareth. You know, by the end of that week, 700 students had prayed to receive Christ. Another 2,000 students had indicated they'd like to know how to become a Christian, to follow Jesus. But something else happened that week that changed the conversation on campus. It, the conversation changed from cultural revolution to spiritual revolution. It changed from Karl Marx to Jesus Christ. They hijacked the conversation. Dr. Hardin-Jones, who was a professor there at the, at the time, he was a scientist, he talked to my dad later. And he said, you know, the back of the radical movement at Berkeley was broken that week. But folks, what became a counteroffensive for Jesus Christ was only a spark that ultimately became the Jesus Revolution. Fast forward three years, May 1970, Kent State, Revolution. The radicals nearly burned the campus down, rioting, Molotov cocktails, demonstrations, and people were killed. It came to be known as the Kent State Massacre. The next stop was the University of Texas. When the administration, the University of Texas, found out what was com coming toward them in September of 1970, they didn't know what to do, and they quietly sent out an SOS. See, the radicals were going to try to provoke another Kent State at the University of Texas. The FBI said there were probably 35,000 radical students heading their way. The administration didn't know what to do. They contacted Campus Crusade for Christ. Our local chapter there got on their knees and said, Lord, what do we do? They came up with a counteroffensive, and they called it Operation Alternative. Like at Berkeley, they reserved all the free speech platforms, and they mimicked the radicals. They had their banners. They had, they had their flyers that they printed up, and all of them talked about spiritual revolution. They brought in 1,000 students from over from between Texas and Oklahoma and Arkansas. They were students involved with Campus Crusade for Christ and the Navigators. And they all came down the weekend before, and that weekend they were trained for two days in a, in a church just off the edge of campus. And then Monday morning arrived. 1,000 students found out, found out across campus. They went across the mall. They went to the dorms, and they started talking with everyone who would, who would talk with them about Jesus Christ. They handed out flyers at all the entrances to campus. And like at Berkeley, Josh McDowell came in and spoke. One night, he even talked about sex. As he said, God's, God isn't against sex. He invented it. You see, using everything from sex to revolution, they hijacked the, the, the conversation for Jesus Christ. Finally, when the day of the big radical march arrived, 2,500 students showed up to march. It was a flop. 
You see, what had happened is the conversation had been co-opted from cultural revolution to spiritual revolution. Members of the administration later came to some of the students and told them, you prevented a second Kent State from happening here. You see, they talked about the greatest revolutionary of all time, Jesus of Nazareth. Now let's fast forward two more years, 1972, Dallas. The Jesus Revolution probably hit its zenith at this time, the summer of 1972, an event called Explo 72 in Dallas in the Cotton Bowl. Campus Crusade for Christ brought in Billy Graham and Johnny Cash to both speak and sing as well as a lot of other Christian artists. They filled the Cotton Bowl every evening. But the most important thing that happened wasn't what happened in the evenings. The real game changers is that during the day, every day of that week, 90,000 young people were trained how to go out and make Jesus Christ the issue so that they could go back to their hometowns, back to their campuses, and ignite spiritual revolution. Campus Crusade for Christ became so effective that one day a radical traveled the whole way across the country out to Southern California to assassinate my dad. He actually got onto our campus, into our offices. But after he arrived, one of our staff members began chatting with him and led him to Christ. Later that day, that young man came to my dad and said, I came here to, I came here to kill you, to assassinate you. But I found Jesus Christ. You see, that is the power of God. You see, in all three cases here, they were shrewd, they were bold, they were well-trained, they were organized. But most of all, they bathed it in prayer and said, God, give us a strategy. Give us a strategy to make you the issue. See, they never said, stop it. They said, stop us if you can. They didn't go on defense, they went on offense. Now, if you'd like to read about any of these events, go to brightmedia.org, and we'll post stories about each of those events so you can get more of the details, you can get more of the story that I've only been able to summarize here, each of those stories. But I want to tell you one more story, and it's a story from this year, and I want to tell it to you to encourage you. You see, earlier this year, actually probably just a month or two ago, in the city of Boston, there was an event called SatanCon 2023. It was probably the largest group of of Satanists who had ever gathered together under one roof in U.S. history. Now, there's some Christian groups arrived there with their banners and their posters basically saying, shame on you, saying, stop it, saying, we don't want you. They were on full defense. But there were a few groups like Intercessors for America who also showed up. And they did two things. They prayed and they engaged people in conversation. By the end of SatanCon, 100 to 120 people had prayed to receive Christ. You see, they didn't react. They didn't get defensive. They, they went right into the middle of the enemy's camp and had conversations about Jesus. You see, it may not have been as high profile as, as the University of Texas or as Berkeley or as Explo 72, but they stayed on message. They made Jesus the issue. Folks, that's how you do a counteroffensive. You see, a counteroffensive never tries to stop the other side. A counteroffensive never plays defense. A counteroffensive never says, stop it. A counteroffensive 
always drives an alternative message. It says, stop me if you can. You see, that's why the Apostle Paul never told pagans to, to change their behavior. He always told them to change their God. That's offense. I, I'm not saying never play defense. I'm saying play more offense. You see, everywhere we turn today, there's a battle being, being waged. It's against our values, our children, our families, our churches, our country, and even against God himself. It is impossible for any one of us to engage the battle on every front. Can't do it. So here are a few questions we each need to ask ourselves as we ask where God wants us to engage. First, ask the question, do I want to play primarily defense or primarily offense? Unfortunately, today, most Christians are playing defense. Secondly, we need to ask the question, who can I link arms with? You know, Jesus never sent his disciples out alone. Well, actually, he did once. The only time he sent any of his disciples out alone was when he sent Judas out to betray him. Every other time, he always sent the disciples out in pairs or in groups. Now, if that's what Jesus did, we should do the same thing. So never go alone. Always go together. Next, we need to ask the question, what's our plan? What's the plan? Folks, don't do a ready, fire, aim. Don't do it. But here's the point. Come up with a plan on your knees. Don't have it be your plan. Go before God and say, God, give me a plan. You know, you can invade town halls asking what does it mean to love your neighbor or school board meetings or on campus going into classes, whatever. But ask the question, what's your plan? How do we ask the question, what did Jesus mean by love your neighbor? But the point is, make God the issue, not the symptom. And fourthly, here's the question you have to ask. Have we saturated this with prayer? Have we saturated this with prayer? You see, if God is really who he said he is, if God really is stronger than us, if God really is smarter than us, we need to be talking to God about this. If we're not talking to God about this, we're in effect saying, God, I'm smarter than you. I've got this. I don't need you involved in the process. But that's not true. If we don't involve God in the process from day one, we are going to fail. Before my dad passed away, he said, I believe there's another revival coming to America, and it'll be characterized by love. Folks, I think there's another Jesus revolution coming, and this Jesus revolution will be a counteroffensive, and it'll be a counteroffensive based on love, sharing the love of Christ both in word and in deed. You know, given the hate and anger that are in our culture today, the message of love, of Christ's love, really is counterculture. When, they, when people come to understand the love of Christ, their lives are changed. Will you join me? Will you join me in the next Jesus revolution? Will you come help change the world? Will you come help change America? Or are you going to stay in the safety of the bleachers and watch? Now then, the choice is yours. And I can assure you, it will require personal sacrifice. But you know what? The God stories, you'll be able to tell your kids and grandkids about what God did. It'll make it all worth it, folks. You know, the doctors tell me I'm dying of cancer. But until my final day comes, I intend to stay in the saddle if I possibly can. 
Will you join me? Not join me in my cancer, but join me in saying, stop me if you can as I talk about Jesus. One other thing. Will you challenge the others around you to join you? That's what Jesus did. And if that's what Jesus did, maybe we should do the same thing. Challenge those around us to join us in the next Jesus revolution. And folks, let's make it a revolution of love. Now, if you want to be a part of that revolution, I'm going to ask you to do two, to do three things, actually. First, I want you to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Why? It helps us get, get the message out because of how, what it does to the algorithms. But more importantly, I'm going to ask you to do two other things. And the second one is get on your knees tonight. Get on your knees tonight and ask God to show you how you can go on offense. Now, if you're serious in that prayer, He'll show you. He will show you, and he'll give you a plan. The third thing I want you to do is recruit others to come with you. Don't go alone. This is absolutely critical. Jesus always brought others with him. So, folks, fight like Jesus. Fight on your knees, and then fight together and make God the issue. Now, if you have any questions or you just want to tell me what God has put on your heart, I would love to hear from you. Go to brightmedia.org and send me, a, send me a note. Send me a message. Now, I will try to get back to you in a timely fashion, but if we get deluged, that may take a little longer. But I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear what God is putting on your hearts. And never forget that God is the issue in every issue. So let's go out and make him the issue together.